invite you, if you have your Bible there, to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 14. Luke, chapter 14, in the Word of God. And I want to share a message that I believe is right on time for the world in which we live, and especially for the church today during this time that I believe is just prior to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Luke chapter 14, we find in verse number 16, Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things, Then the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed, and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open the eyes of our understanding. Help us, Lord, to receive the truth that you have intended for us tonight. This I pray in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Tonight I am heavy hearted. I'm burdened for the state of our country, as I know that many of you are. I know that your heart is distressed because of the civil unrest. It's distressed because of the divisiveness. It's distressed because of the seemingly lack of any interest in spiritual things. It's distressed because we are so obsessive about the material world and we want to somehow say that the things of the Lord are not essential. We're distressed because we see the depravity of man on full display at every turn. There's no doubt in my mind that as I study the Word of God that all of these things point to one central fact and that is that Jesus is coming again. And while we desire to see many changes in our nation, and while we desire to see many changes affected to policies that have uh, perhaps lost their just usefulness, let me say that the most needful change that must take place is the change that must take place in the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. And that's a change that can only come as they receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and as the Holy Spirit of God comes to live within them. For the Bible declares in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And my friends, I want you to understand that we need not to somehow reform the old man We need to be recreated in the image of Christ. We need to have our old heart of stone replaced with the heart that beats for the things of God, even as Jeremiah cried out. What I would say to you is that that unregenerate heart is desperately wicked. And my friends, there's none that can truly know it. But I want you to realize that in this day and time, there are those that, of course, are following government's orders and restrictions, but still trying to get the gospel out there, still trying through every mean 
to tell others how to be saved because they realize that in this time of uncertainty and in this time of an, of an international health crisis that people are dying in great measure. And what those people need more than they need a vaccination is they need Jesus as their personal Savior. Because one thing I know is sure, that even if I get a vaccination that protects me against COVID-19, one day, if I live long enough, I'm going to die unless the Lord comes first, and so too will every person. And the only thing needful in that hour is Jesus as my Savior. The Apostle Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And do you know, I want to say this to you, that the reason why I chose this text tonight about the Master preparing a great feast and many who were bidden come began with one consent to make excuses. And, and the fact is, these were not reasons for not coming. They were just big, fat, ugly excuses. The truth is that uh, that servant that said, I bought a piece of ground and I have to go see it. Can, can I tell you something? Would you buy a piece of land if you hadn't seen it? If you'd never seen a picture of it, if you didn't know where it was, if you didn't know it had water, if you didn't know how it was zoned, if you didn't know if you could grow something on it or if you could build upon it, would you buy that? You see, it was just a big fabrication. It was a kind of a lie that was cloaked in the terms of a reason which became just a big fat excuse. It was just an excuse not to come. There was another that said, I have... I bought some oxen and I need to go prove them. Folks, listen. Would you, drive, would you buy a car without test driving it? I don't think so. I think you'd want to fire the thing up. I think you'd want to take it for a spin. I think before you put your money down on the barrel head, you'd want to know that the thing ran, right? And why would someone buy a, a, a yoke of oxen or why would someone buy a five yoke of oxen 10 oxen and not know whether they could plow, not know whether they were healthy, not know whether if they weren't healthy, you could slay them and eat them. Listen, I'm telling you, this was just a big fat excuse. And you know, I found that there are people that today make excuses as to why they will not come to Jesus. All of us have heard them. We've, we've, heard from people that we've witnessed to the reasons why they're not ready or they, they don't want to accept Jesus as their Savior. And uh, there are those uh, that will, will make excuses as to why they, they will not be saved. But you know, the, the tragic thing is this, that I've discovered that we who have the responsibility to tell them have not, not even really concocted excuses of our own. We've co-opted the excuses of the lost and we use them as to why we won't tell the lost. And I want to prove it to you tonight as we consider some truth from the Word of God. And I think that uh, there's uh, some things here that we need to consider. And I, I want you to just look here. We're in the book of Luke and I want you to turn over just a few pages to Luke chapter number 18. And the Bible uh, tells us, uh, uh, rather, uh, in Luke chapter 19, if you would. And uh, I want you to see here that Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner." And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and I, if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him 
fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I've discovered that there are many who will not get saved because they're afraid of what people think will think if they become a Christian. They're afraid of what people will think if they become a Christian. Here was Zacchaeus, a publican. He was a Jew that had gone into league with Caesar to collect taxes and to uh, impose fines and to take money, often unlawfully from his own people. And so wicked and evil were they perceived to be that they were not even allowed to enter to the temple. It was a sad thing, but it's true that these publicans were held in public contempt. And as the Lord passed by, here was a man that was apparently shameless. He was short of stature. And in order to see the Lord, uh, he had to climb up into a tree like a child may have done. But you know what? He wanted to see Jesus. And he really didn't care what anybody in the world thought about what he was doing. He just had to get a view of Jesus. He just had to look upon Jesus. And by climbing up in the tree, it was really an act of humility, really, because he was saying by that act, I really don't care what anybody else thinks. I need to get up here and see this man from Galilee that I'm hearing about. And and I believe that the reality is this, that every person has to humble their heart if they would finally come to Jesus and trust Him as their Savior, irrespective of what others may be thinking, others may be saying. Listen, uh, we just need to come. Sometimes there are people that are sitting in a church service and the invitation is given and, and they've got a death grip upon the pew in front of them and, and they refuse to walk forward because they're afraid that someone might think ill of them or uh, think them strange. And the fact of the matter is that people have to come to the place where they humble their heart before God and they come as a sinner. I think about what the Bible says about in Luke chapter 18. It says there uh, in verse number 9, And he spake a parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess, and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, but he that humbleth, humbleth himself shall be exalted. My friend, you know what? Don't go to hell for anybody. Don't be so concerned about what other people might think if you choose to accept Christ as your Savior that you would go to a devil's hell for all of eternity for fear of what others might think of you. Listen, be more afraid of hell. Jesus said, fear not him who is able to destroy the body, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Listen, don't be afraid of what others think. Be concerned about what Jesus said and about what Jesus is thinking and that He's calling you. And know that all of us must come to the same place, rich or poor, black or white. Uh, it doesn't matter where you're from, your station or status in life, your race. We all need one thing. We need Jesus. And the only way that we can receive Him is as we humble our hearts before Him and we bend a knee at the foot of an old rugged cross and acknowledge that we are sinners before Him. Jesus said, I'm not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. And so we understand that all men are sinners and all of us must come humbly before God. But do you know, I'm finding that there are many Christians that use the same excuse as the non-believer for not telling the non-believer about the need of salvation. They're a little too afraid of what others might think. 
I, I want you to consider with me in John chapter 12 something that I think is a powerful truth. And the Bible tells us there that the Lord Jesus was speaking and then there were some that believed on Him. But it says in verse 42, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on Him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They believed on Jesus, but they refused to confess Him before men because they were too afraid of what others would think. They were too afraid of what others would say. They were too afraid of what others might do. And so they refused to take their stand and to be a witness for Jesus Christ. My friend, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which believe, it is the power of God. And we need to come to the place where we're willing to be counted as a fool for Jesus' sake. Where we, we must come to the place where we, like the Apostle Paul, would say, I have a continual sorrow and great heaviness in my heart for my kinsmen after the flesh. And the reality is that God wants us to be affected with a burden for the lost around us and to, like Jesus, be moved with compassion because the multitudes are scattered abroad as sheep having no, no shepherd, we must become that metaphoric fool for Jesus' sake, not worrying about whether people think we're educated or articulate or somehow sophisticated, but be willing uh, to be counted as a fool for Jesus' sake. And I, I believe today that we've got to give up on the excuses, man. That's all it is. And it's just... Uh, pride in our hearts. People uh, who are proud won't come to Jesus because they want to go their own way or they're afraid of what people may think of them. And they're so wrapped up in their impression of themselves that they will never humble their heart to come to the Lord and acknowledge their need of a Savior. But the problem is there are many who have been saved like these Pharisees, like these rulers of the Jews that will refuse to confess Jesus publicly because they're afraid of what people will think. They're afraid of what people will say, and they're afraid of what people will do. And my friend, we need to cast those fears aside and give up on our personal pride and be concerned only of what Jesus has to say, that our lives and our works would be acceptable in His sight. My friends, we must become fools for Jesus' sake if need be. Give up on the excuse of what people will think. You know... As we consider the excuses that people often give, we find that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 14, these words, Jesus said, Suffer the little uh, children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. He said, in Matthew 18, 3, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted, become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And some people today think, you know, there's got to be more to it than that. That is just too simple a message. It's not just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. There's got to be something that I have to do. And there are so many, and by the way, that's really the message of much of the religious world today, that it is not salvation by grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ, but it's salvation based upon the works that entitles us to some favor from the Lord. And they believe that the message and the gospel of grace is too simple a message. And yet, a loving Lord made it so simple that even the most simple-minded among us could get a hold of it. That even the youngest among us could receive it. That even those who are uneducated and illiterate like the majority of the world in Bible times could grasp its truth. The simplicity of a gift. The Lord made it as simple as receiving a gift. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is 
eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He made it as simple as drinking a glass of water. Jesus said, whosoever shall drink of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. He made it as easy as eating a piece of bread. He said, whosoever shall eat of this bread that I shall give him shall never hunger. And he made it as simple as walking through a door. Jesus said, I am the door. And there in John chapter 10, and we understand that Jesus intended for the message of salvation to be so simple that we could not miss it. There are many people that want to add something to the finished work of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And Paul had something to say about that in the book of Galatians and chapter 1. And he, there he said, Though I or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than that ye have received, let him be anathema. Literally, let him be accursed or go to hell to a place of perdition. If he does not preach the same gospel, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul told that church in Galatians chapter 6, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. He was glorying in the cross, for only by the finished work of the cross of Christ could a man be saved. It was utterly apart from the works of the flesh. You say, that's their excuse? Well, I've discovered that we as believers have often co-opted the excuses of the non-believer. Not only are we afraid of what two pe- people will th- too afraid of what people will think, but sometimes we think it's too simple a message. And what we try to do is we try to complicate it just a little bit. We try to add to it like the Greeks did, and and uh, want to add some a little bit of philosophy in there, and and want to try to somehow make it a little more mystical, or somehow uh, pass off that we are a little more sophisticated. And yet, I think it behooves us today to understand what it was that turned the world upside down during the first century. And as the apostles in Jerusalem during the early days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ and shortly after the day of Pentecost were preaching, multitudes were coming to Christ. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You know, Paul said to the church in Corinth, when I was with you, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my preaching and my speech was not with enticing words of men's wisdom that your faith might rest, not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And listen, my friends, the world doesn't need us to add anything because if we add anything to what Jesus has done, we do not have the gospel anymore. We don't need to try to dress it up with sophistication and education. We need to give it in its simplicity, and we need to understand that, listen, uh, uh, this message that God has given is intended to be simple. The wisdom of man, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, is as foolishness unto God. And so what we need to do is just, just declare what God has said. Just declare what God has said. And the, and, and the disciples, they, they stood up and they said, uh, we cannot but speak the things, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and which we have heard. They said, this is what Jesus did and this is what God said and that's what we are declaring unto you now in its simplicity and in its truth. And my friends, forget about what the world thinks about your a pedigree. Forget about it. If anybody had a great pedigree, it was the Apostle Paul. If you go to Philippians chapter 3, you can read what Paul uh, said about himself. And it was profound, really. He said, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. 
circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is of the law, blameless. And you know what? That was his pedigree. And in Israel and among the Hebrews, that would have been the highest of the high, the noblest of the no. That would have been the cat's meow. That would have been what everybody wanted to become. And yet, what did Paul say about that? He said, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but the righteousness of God which is by faith, and that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His suffering, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. My friends, I would tell you this tonight, that the Apostle Paul cared not for the pedigree. The Apostle Paul did not put his resume out there for credibility. He simply proclaimed the simple truth of the message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified to the world foolishness, but unto us which believe. It is the power of God. It is not too simple a message. It is so loving a message that Jesus made it understandable for all men. He wants everyone to know. And that's why we read in the Scriptures, 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. I want you to understand that... This old world has a million and one excuses as to why they won't come to Jesus. And yet this old church has a million and one reasons as to why we won't tell them. And I want you to look with me, if you would, again in Mark chapter 10. And here we find another instance in the ministry of our Savior. This is when the rich young ruler came unto Jesus. And there in verse 17... The Bible says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. You see, he felt like he had too much to give up. But if I come to Jesus, I'm going to have to give up on everything in my life. I can't ever have any fun. I, I can't keep all of the implements of wealth. And the lost believe that if they come to faith in Jesus many times, that they're going to lose something that's wonderful that they want to keep. They don't realize what they have to gain. For Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? People are too taken up with the things of the world. And yet the Bible says in 1 John, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is is not of God, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You see, the will of God is that all men would be saved. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, there we read, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Bible says, whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. You see, Jesus wants to give eternal life freely, 
and He wants to give water that will lead you to never thirst again. He wants to give bread, which is indicative of Himself, and you will never hunger. And He wants to give you a life that will never pass away. And yet, there are those that are holding on to the things of this world, and it will cost them their very soul. What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The tragedy of tragedies is there was a young man here who was very wealthy and Jesus looked upon him and Jesus loved him and would have saved him. But the man was more interested in holding on to the implements of wealth and trusting in what he could provide for himself than in throwing his life at the mercy and into the hands of Almighty God. He felt that he had too much to give up. What is there that you feel that you have to give up? Uh, Jim Elliott was a missionary to the Aka Indians down in the Amazon region. And he said these words before his death. He is no fool to give that which he cannot keep to, to gain that which he cannot lose. And my friend, it, it doesn't matter what you think you might have to give up in order to come to Jesus. God will give you more. God will give you better. God will give in greater measure. And what God gives you can never lose. Because all that the Father giveth to me, He said, will come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He said this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man be able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man should be able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. My Father and I are one. And so listen, I want you to understand that when God gives you life, it is greater than anything. It is more enduring than anything. And there is nothing that this world has to offer that can and even begin to compare to the life that Jesus wants for you to have. And yet, what I have discovered is that this old world has a million and one excuses as to why they won't come to Jesus. But the sad thing is that this old church has co-opted the million and one excuses of the world for not coming to Jesus and those are the very excuses as to why we won't tell the ones that need Jesus. You see, there are many people in this world that feel like, you know, there's so much that I haven't experienced, there's so much that I don't have yet, and after I have it all, maybe I'll have the time. They think, if I do all that, there's way too much that I would have to give up. I want to ask you a question. What is the value of a soul? Well, of course, Jesus gave us the estimation. What should, it profit, what should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world? The whole world and lose his own soul. You see, it's a net loss. There's nothing that this world has to offer that is of any greater value than your soul. It's interesting to me to see parents uh, running to teach their kids to play sports and, and uh, going to sports leagues and owning a greater degree of loyalty to the coach and the league and to a sport than they do to the Lord that loved them and gave His life for them. Thinking somehow that this is what I have to do to bring my kids up uh, properly and well-adjusted and what we do is we put them under a a profane coach that will use profanity and schedule games on Sunday and have no use for the things of God. And they set that man up as a role model in their children's life, thinking that, you know what, if I come to church and if I get excited about telling other people about Jesus, I might have to give up Little League as though that was a sacrifice. There are people that think, well, I have to work on Sunday. I get a ship premium for working Sunday. And, and if I don't work on Sundays and I can't make my house payment, what shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? There's a verse in the Bible that echoes throughout the ages, and it's found in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 10. And it's the words of Paul before he went stepped from this life, sitting in a prison house in Rome as he wrote to young Timothy. He said this, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. My friends, Demas was a missionary. Demas had vested his life for years in the interest of telling others about Jesus Christ, but the pull of the world and the lure of material things was too great 
great upon his life and he turned away from the work of missions telling others about Jesus thinking that there was too much fun in this world that I would have to sacrifice if I keep telling people about Jesus and there are too many that are willing, unwilling to give up time, unwilling to give up convenience, unwilling to give up comfort, unwilling to give up finances to, to save even one person from hell, my friend. There are people that are willing to go downtown and march for justice. They're willing to make signs and act like idiots and give up finances for their political party and their partisan beliefs. But there are very few people today who are willing to sacrifice much to give up anything really in order that someone might be saved. My friend, I have six children. I have six grandchildren. And if one of them uh, had a, a heart disease and they, they required a heart transplant, I, I would, without thinking twice, be willing to give them my heart because there is nothing important to me. And my friends, I'm going to tell you, more important than their physical health is their eternal soul. And yet, we don't take the time. We think, I have too much to give up. I'm too busy. I've got too many programs going on. And if I get involved in telling others about Jesus... I'd have to give something up. You see, this world has a million and one excuses as to why they won't come to Jesus. And the church has co-opted a million and one excuses as to why we won't tell them. You know, I, I found this. In the book of Matthew, we find the Lord really laying it on the Pharisees in chapter 23. And... Uh, I won't go to all the passages for time's sake, but, but I want to simply say that Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and He said in verse 13, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, verse 14, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, verse 15, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, verse 23, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, Hypocrites, verse 25, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, verse number uh, 27, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, verse 29, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You think the Lord was trying to drive a point home to these people? The fact is, these were the religious leaders of the day. And do you know what he said? You're all a bunch of hypocrites. And do you know, if you're like me and you've tried to win people to Jesus Christ, you've heard them say, you know what, I know too many hypocrites in the church. No, thank you. There are too many hypocrites in the church. You've heard that, haven't you? I've heard it a lot from folks. I know people go to church and call themselves Christians. They're just like everybody else. They're a bunch of hypocrites. Why should I want what they have? And they use the hypocrites in the church as their reason or big fat excuse for not coming to Jesus. But may I say this to you, lost soul, that one day you're going to stand before God. And the Bible says in Romans 14, 12, So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Now I want to tell you something. There have been a lot of doctors that have been accused of malpractice and people have died at the hands of doctors because of malpractice. But you know what? When you're sick, you still go to the doctor. You don't say, there's bad doctors out there. I'm not going to the doctor. You still go, don't you? You know, folks, I'm going to tell you, there's some bad cops out there. 99% of them are good cops. They mean well. There are some bad cops out there. And you know what? You can say, listen, they're, they're all corrupt. But you know what? When someone is breaking into your house and you have a little child and are unarmed, you know what you're going to do? You're going to call the cops. You know, listen, there are some educators out there that aren't doing a very good job of educating kids. They're just marking time and collecting checks. Some of them don't have your kids' best interest in mind. But you know what? 
Uh, you never say, I don't want to sour my kids on education, but sometimes you say, I don't want to take them because I don't want to sour them on, on God. I'm going to let them make their own choices. Listen, we, we somehow make all these excuses, and what it proves is we have a bias against God. You're going to give an account for yourself, not for the hypocrite. You're not going to stand before God and say, yeah, well, they claim to be a Christian and did such and so. That's not going to matter in that day. All that will matter is what did you do with Jesus? That's it. One day I was driving down I-17, and I was just going along with the flow, minding my own business, seat belt buckled in my hands at 10 and 2, and I look in the rearview mirror and I see flashing lights I think I'm in a parade. <laughs> and then I look again and I realize I, I wasn't in a parade. I was uh, being pulled over. And, uh, and there were flashing lights behind me and I got pulled over. And, and the officer said, uh, have your, license, your driver's license and your uh, registration and your proof of insurance, please. And, and so I, I handed it to him. He said, uh, sir, you know how fast you're going? I said, not really, but I'm pretty sure you do. <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, he chuckled and and, uh, and he said, well, I'm going to have to, to write you up because you were speeding and you were going X miles an hour over the speed limit. And, and I said, uh, sir, I understand, but I was just going uh, with the flow of traffic. Everyone else was going that fast. And I felt like if I was going any slower that I would have been an obstruction to traffic. And so I was just going along with the flow. And uh, he said, listen, there are millions of fish in the sea but I caught you. <laughs> you know what? He said, it doesn't matter that everybody else was doing something wrong. You're going to have to stand before the judge. And one day, it doesn't matter that everybody else didn't do it just right, that they were a hypocrite. We're all going to have to stand and give account of ourselves to God. Now the world has a million and one excuses as to why they won't come to the Lord Jesus. One of those is there are too many hypocrites in the church. But you know, the old church has a million and one excuses that we've co-opted from the lost. And that is, there are just too many hypocrites in the church. You know, old so-and-so is talking about soul winning all the time. He never goes. So why should I? Why should I? Well, you know, I, I, I saw that person and they're a deacon in the church and they never go. So... Why should I go? They're a hypocrite. You know, the fact of the matter is, a hypocrite, the Bible says, with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor. What follows hypocrisy is destruction. We need to do what we believe. Paul said to the church in Thessalonica, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and your labor of love and your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he said? You do what you do because of what you believe. Don't do it because of what everybody else is doing. Do it, do it because of what is, what is right. You know what? I have people come and they, they want to join the church and, and they'll come, they'll talk to me and they'll say, well, do you have an outreach program? We don't want to be a part of the church. It doesn't have an outreach. And, and do you have a public invitation for people to be saved? And are, are people getting saved? And do you baptize people? And do you have soul winning and door-to-door -door visitation? And Oh, yes. They said, we don't want to be a part of a church that doesn't have that. And they join the church and they never go. What in the world? The fact of the matter is, the world has a million and one excuses, and we use the same ones for not going. The Bible says in the book of James, Only then let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay, for whatsoever cometh more than this is evil. And if we believe something, then we need to live what we believe, or we are the excuse that someone will use for not going soul winning, and we are the excuse someone will use for not coming to Jesus Christ. I want to say that I'm only half done with my message, and I'm tempted to press on, but then again, uh, I think I've given you a lot to think about tonight, and I think I'll finish this message next week. Folks, listen, your reasons are probably just a misguided truth cloaked in a lie, cloaked 
in whatever you think is acceptable, and God sees right through it. The lost need to come to Jesus and be saved. Give up the reasons. Give up the excuses. And the saved need to give up on the same ones and tell this old gainsaying world that's on its way to hell in a handbasket that they can be saved and know that heaven is theirs. And so, friends, give up the excuses and come to Jesus. Come to the place of obedience to what the Bible teaches. Heavenly Father, we thank You tonight for the truth of the Word of God. And Lord, I pray that You would help us to lay aside our excuses, those that have refused to be saved for one excuse or another, may they understand that they're going to give account to God for themselves. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't choose to go to hell for an idiot, for somebody who didn't like, for somebody that was a hypocrite, for something they thought was too simple. Lord, I pray that they would understand that You made it so simple because You love everybody. You didn't want them to miss it. And so, Lord God, I pray that You would help us to consider this truth and may each of us who name the name of Jesus lay down our excuses for not going. And may we begin once again with a fervor to tell others about Christ in whose wonderful name we pray. Amen. I want you to look at me just for a moment. I've talked about people not wanting to come to Christ. And I've talked about Christians not wanting to share Christ for whatever reason. But if you're watching or listening tonight and you are not certain that your sins are forgiven and that heaven is your home, I want you to listen carefully. The gospel means good news. And the good news is that Jesus loves you so much that He did everything to prevent you from having to go to hell. But there's something that you have to understand to receive the gift of salvation. And that is, first of all, what the Bible says about all of us that as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. Nobody's perfect. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. There's not a single one of us that could claim perfection. Not a single one of us that can say we have not sinned against God. We have violated His law. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. There's a penalty for our sin. And folks, you might say, well, I, I'll clean up my act. I'll stop sinning. The problem is, we're not sinners because we do wrong things. We do wrong things because we're sinners. We were born into sin. We inherited a sinful nature from Adam. And while you may be able to change what you do, you cannot change who you are. And that's a problem. And so because of our sinful condition, the Bible says we deserve to die and pay the price for our sin in the lake of fire, which is hell. The Bible calls it the second death. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. You see, that's the punishment for sin. But the good news is this. God doesn't want you to suffer that punishment because He loves you. And He knows that you cannot change who you are. And so the Bible says, but God commendeth His love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even though we were sinners undeserving of God's love and favor, Jesus, God in the flesh, came to this earth and lived a perfect life for you. And He chose to willingly go to the cross of Calvary and lay down His life and shed His precious blood so that you might receive the forgiveness of sins and have the hope of a home in heaven. So Jesus paid the price for all of your sin with His death on the cross of Calvary. And now the Bible says, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God wants you to have the gift of eternal life in heaven with Him through the forgiveness of sins purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. It's called a gift. The Bible says that, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If it was up to you to try to save yourself, you could never do it.
Because the Bible says, for by the deeds of the law there shall no man be justified in his sight. We can't be good enough to make it on our own. We need a Savior. And that's why Jesus had to come. And He paid the price in full, and now He offers heaven as a free gift to all that will believe Him that He's the only way and receive His offer of forgiveness and a home in heaven. And the Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means you and me. If we would simply call upon God in prayer, asking Him for that forgiveness and salvation, He said, you will receive it. You will be saved. That's the gift that God wants to give you. You don't have to earn it. He has paid for it in full. And when we think we have to earn it or try to earn it, we do a disservice to the sacrifice of the sinless Lamb of God, Jesus, on the cross of Calvary. And so tonight, if you believe that you're a sinner and that there's a price tag on your sin, and that is separation from God in hell, but that Jesus loved you so much that He died in your place, and He now offers you forgiveness through His shed blood and a home in heaven with eternal life, and that you can know that is a free gift if you will simply ask Him to give it to you. And if you understand that, my friend, I want you to pray a simple prayer with me. Giving you the simple gospel. It's not too simple. Simple so that everyone can get a hold of it. Jesus put the cookies down on the bottom shelf where everybody could get to them, so to speak. And I want you to understand, as I pray this prayer, my prayer will not save you. But if these words reflect the desire of your heart, it will become your prayer. And the Lord will listen. And He will save you. And as I pray this prayer now, I invite you, if you've never Receive God's gift of eternal life through the forgiveness of sins. Pray this prayer with me now. Dear Lord, I come before you tonight confessing that I am a sinner. And I recognize that I cannot save myself. I now invite Jesus into my heart and into my life to forgive me of all of my sins and to save me. I'm now trusting in Jesus and Jesus only to forgive me and to save me so that I may spend forever in heaven with Him. Thank You for dying on the cross for me. Enable me to live for Thee. For this I pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Friend, if you just prayed that prayer on the authority of God's Word, you are now saved. You now have the forgiveness of sin and the hope of a home in heaven. And it's yours to keep forever because when God gives it to you, He gives it to you eternally and He gives it to you everlastingly. You'll never lose it. I quoted tonight a verse that says, All that the Father giveth to me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. You're not, you don't stay saved because of what you do, but because of what Jesus does. First Peter 1 Peter 1.5 says that we are kept by the power of God. We're saved by His power. We're kept by His power. He saves us forever. If you've made that decision, go online through our website at freewaybaptist.org or through Sermon Audio, find our, our email link, and send us a note. Call us at the church. Let us know you've made this decision. We want to send you a free Bible and some information that will help you grow in your new life in Jesus Christ. It would be our privilege to be a help to you. Thank you.